2: Welcome to the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Today, I am lucky enough to have in the air chair with me the one, the only CFP certified financial planner, Chad Burton. Chad, I got some emails that have come in that I want to clear out. People can find you at newfocusfinancial.com if they want to drop you an email. People can find me at Rob Black Show if they want to drop me an email. I did get one on gold coins. I'm not going to bring it up. I'm not going to go into it but because it's kind of a dicey topic. But I'm not a kind of an alternate currency kind of guy. Um, I don't go after the Iraqi dinar when Iraq fell. I don't go after the Kroger and that I see the gold commercials in the middle of the night. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just not my thing. Uh, do alternative currencies attract you at all?
3: Oh, I, uh, yeah. I mean, I think that the idea of the technology behind it and the overall math behind it is extremely interesting. We're talking I mean, Bitcoin. Yeah, that just blockchain in general. Okay, got it. I mean, just how Walmart has worked with IBM on blockchain and how it's re- reduced the amount of time to track down an item. For example, if there's something that creates a cholera outbreak, where did that lettuce come from? It used to take a long time to track those items down, and now it's extremely quick because of blockchain and other technologies. So the, I think the issue there is that blockchain is something that can be done with or without the cryptocurrency. Some people argue for that. Um, Is it an investment? No, I don't look at it as an investment because if you invest in something, it has to have some sort of a rate of return. It has to have, to me, something that has revenues, then there's expenses, and then there's a profit. Got it. That's, That's not what happens in Bitcoin or Litecoin or any of the other issues. It's the idea that, first of all, people that don't trust the financial system because they grew up young in the financial crisis and they don't trust banks. Sure. Um, I think that's silly in the U.S. to do that. I think that's ridiculous. But there's other areas of the world where they can't trust their government. They can't trust the fluctuation in their currency. It's not stable. They want to get the money out. And so there's a a very big play for people overseas to say, I'm I'm going to take my money out of this country's currency. I'm going to store it somewhere that's a little bit more global. Um, So I, I get that piece of it. But it's not a store of value in my mind because it's way too volatile. You can't put, put you know, your dollars into it and then be dependable that I'm going to be able to go down the street and buy a sandwich without a massive fluctuation in it. And it, by far, by far was one of the biggest bubbles that you've ever seen where you could see the big run up in 2017, especially right after the holidays when everybody was getting together, talking about how well Bitcoin had done. And then you kind of saw that last-minute push where everybody and their their uncle and their cousin and, oh, we better get into some of this too. And then that's when the people that owned it sold it and pulled it out. You saw Facebook issues yeah. on it, Instagram issues where they, people were pumping and dumping just yeah. like they used to do with, with small stocks. Or year 2K stocks. Like
2: there's always, there's always something for millennials or young people to, to throw their money away into. Speaking yeah. of young people and millennials, um, got a great email, and this makes me actually smile, Chad. It's from Katie, young professional. She's living in New York City. She's 24. She's single. I like that she tells me that. It kind of gives me some color on her. She makes $90,000 a year, contributes 10% to her company's 401k. They match 6%. Um, She has around $30,000 sitting in a bank savings account. Uh, I know I should be doing more with my money. What should I do? We don't have to cover it all because you can't cover it all in 10 minutes. But what are some of the basics that Katie should be thinking of? And that makes me so happy she's 24 and thinking about this.
3: Yeah. yeah, um, There... The next one would be the Roth for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, she's she's right at that. If she, She's got to make sure, though, that she puts enough money, Rob, into the 401k because she's right at that level where if her taxable income is too high, she starts to be phased out of being able to do the Roth IRA. Oh, tricky. So this is right at that point where you need to look at your tax bracket. You need to talk to your, your CPA or your enrolled agent that's doing your tax return and say, okay, maybe if I fund another 3%, into my pre-tax 401k, then I'll get my taxable income low enough to be able to legally do a Roth contribution. But she still has got a ton of room left. I mean, she can put 19 grand into her 401k. So for her, it'd be wise to look at her tax bracket and put enough in to make sure she doesn't go over the 12% bracket into the pre-tax side and then do everything else into the Roth 401k because she's... She's at a low bracket. This is the lowest tax situation that I've seen in the 24 years that I've been in the business. And I don't think it's going to get better. I think it's going to get worse because budget deficits are going the wrong direction. So I think taxes will go up. So the idea that you put enough money into the pre-tax 401k to get your your taxes down a bit, but throw everything else at that age into the Roth and create a tax-free pool of money. It'll grow tax-free for the rest of your life. When you pull money out in retirement, it's totally tax-free. Um, younger people should really be focusing on the Roth 401k and the Roth IRA. You're basically
2: talking accumulating wealth. How about some things like life insurance, um, health insurance,
3: uh, long-term care insurance? Should she be focusing on any of those issues yet? Only once she has people that depend on her. Okay. So life insurance, you know, until you're married and you have kids, what's the point? And Don't go to somebody that says life insurance is the greatest investment ever. The only time life insurance is an investment is for like the ultra, ultra wealthy, you know, the one percenters that have maxed out everything else and they already own a bunch of stocks and real estate. For young people, it's a horrible investment. Um, She should have some disability insurance in case she can't work because of an injury and she still needs to pay bills. Other than that, you know, save, save money. Stupid thought here, but how about
2: the idea? Because I wish I could go back to my twenty four year old young self and say, Network, do a better job networking, Rob because I probably would have had a national TV show if I'd networked better, probably would have you know something bigger in my life. Is that a financial thought for you or is that something that 's kind of uh, too you know kimba kind of thing
3: oh, no, I think it makes sense, but it 's more in terms of makes sense that um, if you 're in a situation right now where Hey, Chad and Rob, it's great to hear you guys talk about putting extra money into your 401k or 19 grand into your 401k, but I just don't make enough money to do that. You know, barely get enough in to get the match and put food on my table. So that person's next best investment would be in their education. What what can you invest in education-wise, trade-wise that will allow you to make more money? versus, hey, I'm so worried about finding the, the right stock or going to a trading seminar or finding some sort of a silver bullet. Nope, it's get into a better career. And so if that's networking, if it's doing some research on what you're going to like and what can make more money in the future, that's your, that's your next best investment. Now, someone dropped me an email. His name's James. He's in
2: Alameda. And it sounds like he's got some pretty good wealth, about 500,000. He's looking for a fee-based registered investment advisor. He does not want the firm to manage his money. He's done it on his own for many years, but he does want an hourly person for tax strategies, estate planning, portfolio allocation, investment ideas. Can you get all that with an hourly uh, relationship or do you really need that 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 committed relationship per se versus the hourly?
3: Well, it's funny because we, you know, a lot of us obviously charge on what we're managing for a person, but the investment side is maybe 30% of what we do. Everything else is the planning, the strategy, trying to save taxes, offering advice, and the right way to deal with your insurance and taxes and everything else Um, so you kind of get what you pay for unfortunately I mean there there are some hourly based CFP certified financial planner out there that you can go to and they'll charge you an hourly fee but they're hard to find in the Bay Area because it's so expensive to live in the Bay Area and it's not the greatest business model it's kind of hard Um, so you can go to napfa.org and try to find one that's near you I don't really know Hardly any in the Bay Area, that do hourly only planning. I used to know one, and he worked under
2: the Cheryl Garrett umbrella. And he, mm-hmm. like he, like he said, he had to move because he couldn't pay his bills here, per se. Yep. So he had to that's give himself financial advice and go where it's more affordable. That's which is funny. That to me, that's funny. It's financially funny. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> We're not going to late night with this one, Chad. Um, <laughs> no, no, not on that one. Anyway, thanks for joining me. It's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. Him and I have worked together for a long time, and we trust each other. We work well together. It's CFP Chad Burton.
3: Love, orange sky above.
1: We're making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM
2: 1220
1: KDOW.
2: So this is the bleachers who I dig. I don't want to make this a music show per se, but I do want to be entertained myself enough that I want to stay around and do the show. I'm not going to play timpani drums and trumpets. You know, it ain't going to happen on this show. This is my music, it's not my spouse's It's not someone else's I'm a Bleachers fan, I saw them in concert a couple years ago Awesome And I missed it because it was very east coast They're kind of um And I'm not a Bruce Springsteen fan But they're very Bruce Springsteen-esque A lot of horns, a lot of solos A lot of Jersey Boys getting together and playing music Um I'm a big fan, big fan So lead singer of Bleachers also was in Band Fun As the bass player you know, find the band that goes, some nights. Anyway, I'm digressing. Um, let's talk money and investing, shall we? One of the companies that I like has, t- has stood the test of time. And I want to talk about it. But before I go there, I want to talk about the test of time. I want to go back to 1940. The Market went up all the way until 1956, 267%. And then it went down for one year, 22%. And then it went up. 56% and then it went down 14% then it went up 80% then it went down 22% then it went up 400% you get the idea right uh, let me give the up years up to 67 or up string of years up to 67% up 56% up 80% up 400% up 74% up 75% up 62% up 229% up 65% up 155% up ninety-five percent uh, um, and then Up 231%, which is now 300% if I updated the chart. The down years, you kind of forget. This market goes up over time. It stood the test of time. The people out there who are like, I don't really trust the stock market. I want to buy gold. Good luck to you. I'm going to fire up the Darwinian wood chipper one day when you have nothing. So, standing the test of time. There's nothing wrong with that. One of the companies that I like to talk about, I own it, Disney. I wish I would have owned it in 1940. I don't even know if they were publicly traded in 1940. They probably weren't. I I wasn't even born in 1940. Let's go there first. Thirty years before Rob Black, he bought his first stock. <laughs> like I wasn't even a twinkle in the eye. I guess I was an egg in my mom's body, but I don't even know if she. Yeah, it's about right. Man. I, I don't even know if she'd hit those teen years where those eggs are starting to become issues, but. Oh, I'm digressing hard. Um, Standing the test of time. the Market works over time, and there's a lot of people who don't trust it. It's not the market that's bad. It's you. You get in and you're greedy. You expect it to be go, go, go. And then when there's a little slow period, you get upset. Stocks beat real estate, period, over time. Stocks are cleaner than real estate over time in the sense that you don't have to pay property taxes, you don't have to pay maintenance. You don't have to pay electricity. You don't get sued. If someone comes onto your uh, home and, and gets bit by a dog, that property wasn't the best idea, right? Or the dog wasn't the best idea. Well, let's say they they step on a crack and they break their mother's back on your yard, right? Stocks, you buy 100 shares of Disney and you own it. Now, Disney can get into some problems. You know what Disney's problem is right now? Too many people are coming to their parks. That's a good problem to have. Because if you've looked at the prices of it, you have to take out a mortgage. You have to refinance things to get into Disney at this point in time. Potentially record-breaking crowds this year. You know why? Because they got the Star Wars exhibit. And they're starting to change their rules. They're banning strollers larger than 31 inches wide. Wait, 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 wait. They're banning strollers? We're going to have to take our kids to the happiest place on Earth and make them walk? Our fat Oompa children? can't walk from from attraction to attraction. They need to be pushed. So they're banning strollers. They're banning loose ice or dry ice. If you want a cup of ice, you can go to any uh, stand and get a ask for a cup of ice. Now, how long is it going to take you to get a cup of ice? Do you know Disney? This is a good problem to have. Coca-Cola gives them Coca-Cola for free. And they charge you 10 bucks or 20 bucks if you want a Cinderella cup. Why does Coca-Cola give it to him for free? Because he got fat oopaloopa children and they want them addicted to Coca-Cola. Because when they go home, they're going to get me. Mmm, and mom's going to, at some point in time, lose her mind. She's going to get into a Calgon bath. Calgon's going to take her away. And then she's going to snap out of it and say, I'm just going to give that kid a, a Coca-Cola. So Disney's banning strollers. They're banning ice. They're banning smoking. It's like, Whoa. You can still smoke at Disney in Orlando. You can. Whoa. Well, there's smoking areas and they're going to say, you know, outside the park from now on, no more smoking areas inside the park. So you're going to have to adjust to some new rules. And again, to me, they've got some high profile stuff coming. And one of them is the star Wars exhibit. And I'll be honest with you. I have no interest. I'm one of those dads that I hate the whole process of bad entertainment and Disney does a great job. But to me, it's still bad entertainment. Um, I'd rather see uh, the bleachers play a concert than see a teenage kid walking around as Darth Vader. Just call me crazy. Oh, and you know what's the worst for me? The idea of going on a Disney cruise. Now, I like Disney stock here. I'm trash at the company. The idea of going on a Disney cruise, I think cruises are disgusting. I think yeah. they're... Again, if you're 70 years old and you can't walk around, I get it. You could... On a Disney cruise, can you bring a stroller? No. (laughs) But you're 70 years old, you can bring your walker. Can't discriminate against you, can they? Oh, yeah, they can. They're going to make you get the Disney walkers, right? Use an Ewok walker, just like the King Ewok did. So anyway, the Star Wars lands are 14 acres. They're big. It's the largest addition to Disney parks. They're going to include rides on the Millennium Falcon ship, mock battles, and cantinas staffed by otherworldly creatures. I love Disney. They just keep pulling this stuff out and I love it. I think it's um, they have their pulse on kids. You know, they did a smart thing whether you think so or not. They bought the Star Wars universe so the characters can be at their parks but the characters could also be on the screen. The characters could also be on their new Disney streaming product. So they know how to market characters well whether it's Elsa and the Ice Princess thing. Um, let it go. Let it go. And they know how to make hit songs right yeah so they get the kids with music they used used i don't know if there still is i think there has to be disney radio there used to be a radio station in the bay area called disney radio and trust me if it existed i'd, I'd take it off my radio kind of thing because it's not my thing uh, a friend of mine has a kid and his kid loves paw patrol and he's like i can't get him to stop watching paw patrol i'm like have you tried unplugging the cable box have you tried deleting it the kid's four. He's not smart enough to figure out how to program Paw Patrol. And he's like, oh, I never thought of that. Hate Paw Patrol, by the way. Anyway, um, some basic ideas that I wanted to hit that segment is the market goes up for large bursts. And then it pulls back for very small but intense bursts. You got to find things that can test stand the test of time. But part of that formula is you. I wish I owned Disney. And instead of ever selling, it, I wish I bought more. That's the kind of thing that I regret. I have a friend who was a janitor at AOL. When it first started, he bought some shares because he's like, this is exciting. And then there was two people at every desk. So he bought more shares. And his wife was like, you got to sell it. It's worth a million dollars. Then they bought the second floor. Then they bought the third floor of the building. And then they bought the building across the street. And then they built a tunnel from building A to building B under a street without asking the city. He kept buying it. Multimillionaire. Sometimes standing the test of the time is the right thing to do. I'm Rob black talking all things financial
3: now if we jump together at least we can swim away from the
1: wreck your comments and questions are always welcome visit Rob black online at robblack.com. now back to Rob black and your money on am 1220 KDOW
0: smile no that means i'll have
2: to you want to start a party tonight play a little dj marshmallow go to your apple itunes because you own shares of apple if you own shares of apple and you don't have itunes shame on you if you're using spotify but DJ Marshmallow, he gets the party started with his bumpin' mixes and outgoing personality. He gets you clapping, he gets you going. He was influenced by his father's 25 years within the industry. Now, that's something you didn't know, right? He grew up around music, and therefore, he does music. He's always getting the party started, which is something that I think is a wonderful skill. Um, I was able to play drums. I think the ability to play music and read music. Is great Playing a little piano Is awesome Awesome uh, I think it gets you Farther in life I know what You're saying But my kids are All about Astrophysics <laughs> Okay your kid's Gonna be fine He doesn't need DJ Marshmallow Except for when he Wants a wife <laughs> He may have some issues So raised in the Chicago suburbs He was a One boy In a set of triplets Could you imagine The competition Having two brothers The same age So anyway Buy your kid A turntable let them fall in love with music. And uh, I, I, I'm not a music snob in any way, shape, or form. I'm not a I'm not a snob in any way, shape, or form. I like quality for sure. I watch zombie shows. Is that high financial brow for you? Like, people are like, do you watch that show, Billionaires? I don't watch the show, Billionaires. I, I, I live that life during the day. I hate it. I don't hate it. I, I need to be careful about that. But you get the idea. DJ Marshmallow, open yourself up to some new music, people. Um... And it's on iTunes and music's good for the soul, right? I'm digressing. (laughs) How did I do that yet again? Um, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Don't be shy. One of the things I want to talk about, and I wanted to do a smart segment here because I just talked about DJ Marshmallow for no odd reason. Um, Don't invest in the tech of a company. When you see IPOs come public, companies like Lyft and Pinterest and. Companies like Uber and and Qualcomm, in the day Qualcomm, um, in the day Applied Materials, Dell, Intel, Adobe, you're not investing in the tech. Now, Adobe makes great product. That's what you're investing in. So let's talk about what to invest in. If it's tech is always going to be smaller, cheaper, faster. That's just the nature of the game. And you have to go with that. You start with that. You want to look for companies that have the network effect. The network effect is very, very simple to explain. It's when a product becomes more viable, the more people use it. Adobe is the standard for electronic publishing. The standard. I've been using Adobe products for 30 years. Why haven't I been investing in Adobe for 30 years? If I had, I'd be rich, 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 rich. I've got all the money in the world. It's mine. That's gold, Jerry. Gold. Do you remember Daffy Duck? There was a episode with Bugs Bunny. And those were incredibly violent cartoons, just FYI. Daffy Duck finds, he goes into Alibaba's cave, which I, I bet if we watched it today, it would be incredibly politically incorrect. And at some point in time, the genie gets really mad at Daffy Duck and he shrinks him to the size of like, you know, a thumb. And he goes into a oyster and he, he grabs a pearl and goes, it's mine, it's mine, it's all mine. I've been investing in Adobe for 30, I, I, not, I haven't been investing in Adobe. I've been using their products for 30 years. I should have been investing Because everyone I know who does electronic publishing, whether it's audio or video, uses Adobe. Adobe Illustrator. Fantastic product. I dated a graphic designer when I was a young man. And it wasn't a cheap product. And today it's not a cheap product, but it's the standard. Microsoft owns the market for PC operating systems. On a lot of levels, you can say Google Chrome. There's no doubt about it. Um, but Google's trying to make money differently than uh, uh, way Microsoft did. And for the record, when you take a look at all the lawsuits and issues going on with companies like Facebook today, um, and Amazon, are they a monopoly? Are they not Microsoft quietly is like whistling past the graveyard. They're not getting tagged in any of this. I own shares of Microsoft for the record. So at one point in time, you'd buy a new PC and it came preloaded with windows and it came preloaded with Adobe Acrobat reader, Right. Now Again, that's one thing you invest in tech, the network effect, but you're looking for more than just one high switching costs. If you've been trained to use Adobe Photoshop for years, um, Adobe Illustrator, any of the products that make websites and such to get off that product means you have to train on a new product and training stinks. I've got a a producer number 12. He's still learning how to hit two buttons at once. He'll get it. But it's a process. Training is a process. It costs money and you make mistakes. And sometimes you don't look good during the process. So businesses, once they know you can use a product, they want you on it. One of the companies with the greatest stories about high switching costs was Oracle. They would get their database installed in your business. And it was kind of like one of those horror movies where the bug gets in your ear and it just keeps burrowing deeper and deeper in your ear. I know you're saying, are you comparing Oracle to a bug burrowing in my ear? Yeah. Yeah, I kind of am. Ah! But I like that high switching cost. Time is money. Time is money. You 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 hear that commercial on the station a lot probably. right? So you're unlikely to switch if you know Excel well. I can do an Excel spreadsheet with my left hand and both eyes closed. How's that for impressive? I know. You're saying, can you meet my daughter? I want you to meet my daughter. You can do Excel spreadsheets with your left hand, with your eyes closed. I, 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 I. I'm kind of a big deal and I kind of know it. Another thing you're looking for in te- investing in technology, it's not the tech, it's the network effect, it's the high switching costs, and then the economies of scale. Lyft and Uber, the more drivers or the more drives that they, they provide, the lower their insurance goes. The more they don't get into trouble, the lower their insurance goes. Intel and Applied Materials both dominate their industry to such a degree that they can spread fixed costs, such as marketing and research. Same thing with the Ubers and the Lyfts. It's not a, a, a technology that a car could find you. That's that's great and all. But it's it's the economy of a scale when you don't have competition and you're you know 10 times bigger than your competitor. Y- you don't have to work as hard to be as successful because you're able to spread your fixed costs. The economy of scales makes a heck of a lot more profit. Companies like Intel, you know how many chips they're gonna make this year? I'm gonna hypothetically say they're gonna make 427 million chips.
0: You've got to be kidding me.
2: And if they make 428 million, it all hits the bottom line. They've already done marketing on 427 million of them, right? You get the idea? Economy is a scale. Next of what you're looking for in technology to invest in a tech company. It's not the tech. It's again, it's the network effect. More people use it. The more valuable it is. It's the high switching cost, The tougher it is to get it out of your business. Time is money. It's so the economies of scale. Then I want to talk about cost advantage. Um, companies like Dell can acquire parts and they can tell companies like Intel and Applied Materials and Motherboard Makers. Well, they're not going to talk to Applied Materials, but they can tell companies like Intel or NVIDIA we're going to buy 10 million units from you. We want a discount. Because that other company over there, Hewlett Packard, who's not as good as us, they're only going to buy 9 million units from you. And then there's the guy who owns the screwdriver shop around the corner who's only about 10 units from you this year. So when you have a cost advantage, like, you know, build to order business models, it gives you a huge cost advantage over your peers. If you're a low cost producer in technology, technology eventually becomes a commodity. You know, when Intel had the 286, well, they had the 8086 and they had the 286 and they had the 386 and they had the 486 and they had the the Pentium, Pentium one, Pentium two, Pentium three, Pentium four. And then they got these i chips, i threes, i fives, i seven, i nines, episode seven, episode eight, episode nine. like they keep up upping it. The technology was thirty years ago when they were going from eight eighty six to two eighty six to three eighty six to four eighty six. Why they didn't go to five eighty six? I don't know. they went to Pentium. But now I can't tell the difference in the chips. And to me, it's just a commodity. Does my computer turn on fast? Does it crunch numbers fast when i when I post produce audio? Does it do it correctly and fast? Because what time is money. Do you see how boring tech companies can be to invest in? Like Facebook, do you know what Facebook's technology advantage is? You've put all the pictures of your ugly kids on it. And one day you're going to want those back and they have them. Or you can go, you know what? I don't need them back, but they have them. So I'm good. I'll get them later. So it's embedded. Same thing with Instagram and all that stuff. Have you ever said, I'm just going to delete my whole Instagram account and lose all those photos? Probably not, unless they're on your computer, unless they're backed up on your phone somewhere, right? So when it, it it's that switching cost. And sometimes it's not even the, the for a business, it's cost, right? But for you, it's like, you just feel safer with it there. I would delete my Facebook account, but you know what my problem is? What if my friends can't get in touch with me? It's like my kid the other day said to me, he goes... What did he do it was so cute He said dad How did everyone email Each other before the internet was around?" And I got out a stick and I beat Him hard I'm like That's a bad question Bad We've always Had the internet we just put a stamp On it back then Now I Don't suggest Hitting kids I never do You can batter them, but don't fry them. See, my mom used to roll us around in eggs and and flour, and she was going to threaten to make us fried chicken, fried Robert. Last idea on investing in technology is the intellectual property. Patents are a big competitive advantage. If you take a look at Qualcomm and Apple right now, they're battling over a patent on a device that you hold in your hand and talk to people. Qualcomm wants to own the whole phone market. Apple says, no, we invented the phone. Whoever invented the phone is going to get a royalty. Patents are super big. Patents are a big competitive advantage. If you can own wireless standards, if you can find a company that is registering patents with the new 5g technology, you can make some bank. That's the way you have to think of look at the companies who are filing patents now because they're going to try to enforce them in the future. Those are the five things you look for investing in tech. Network effect, high switching cost, economies of scale, cost advantage, and intellectual property. I'm Rob Black.
1: Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money. On AM 1220, KDOW.
2: 200 years ago, I would have said, send me a telegram. And you would have gone to the telegram guy and you would have got dot, D, D, dot, dot, dee, dee, dot, dee, dot, dee, dot, dot dee. But now you can send me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. You don't have to send a telegram. You don't have to send the Pony Express. Oh, Robert, Um, Let's move forward. I like lists. Everyone likes lists. So I want to talk a little about one of my favorite lists. I get a lot of questions about how do I buy stocks? What stock should I buy today? And you know what, honestly, I, I want you to learn is a lot of times that stock that you want to buy today is the same exact stock that you want to know why you're selling it. Does that make any sense? Before you buy, you got to know when you want to sell. What's your time frame? I like recommending stocks that you might hold your whole life because you know how I I tend not to look that bad. Even if I say things like buy Disney at $120 a share and it goes down to $80, i will go, you're mad at me. You're mad at me, aren't you? I can see that you're mad at me. I go, but I'll say, I did say buy it for your whole life. See the time frame, how that saves me a little bit.
0: I'm not going to take this anymore.
2: Now, if you were to say, what do you think I think about um, a hot new IPO? I'd say have a goal. If you wanted to go up 20%, that's your goal. Write stuff down. If you can't write it down, shame on you. Um, you know, writing it down makes it true. When you carve your initials of love into the tree for someone, it makes it true. If it's just in your head, no one knows about it. So if you can't write down your investment process, you can't do it. Here are eight reasons when you should sell, or is it? A lot of people won't sell. We don't need a we don't need top ten list yet. We'll think so. Um, You just can't sell that winner. Um, I've seen people double their money, triple their money. It keeps rising, and you can cash in on it. And some people just won't do it. So you kind of turn a trade into a long term investment. Or you kind of change the rules. There's nothing wrong with that, but write them down again. So I know the best example of that, of not selling your winners is stock options. A lot of people get paid with options, not paid. A lot of people get supplemental pay from their company with stock options. And when the good times are going, people don't sell it. But when the bad times hit, they don't know what to do. Number two, big mistake that people make. When it comes to selling is they just can't get rid of that loser. They bought a stock, it went down, and it's a loser. Or maybe he fell in love, it was passionate, and then the guy turned into a loser deadbeat. Sometimes it's over when it's over, right? And you should move on. In psychology, it's called the endowment effect. Once we invest in something, whether it be a relationship, whether it be a football team, Whether it be a stock, we endow it with more value than it ever really had. So a stock becomes more prized and valued if we've put our money into it. You know, if a company like XYZ.com goes down, I don't care. But if I own it, I'll be like, I do care. I once liked you and I want to like you again. So you can sometimes can't get rid of that loser and think about it in relationships. Think about it. Like I got to a point where I just gave up on sports. And now you're saying, really? Um, I'm not going to be passionate about them like I used to. I'm not going to, you know, throw money at them like I used to. I'm not going to go on a Friday night in its playoffs. Hey, hey, buddy, you want to go watch the game? Let's let's go. Let's go get your tickets right now. I'll plan it if I want to see it. you know what I'm saying? So, I none of my teams. <laughs> I'm not going to say none of my teams. Um, but a lot of times the payoff for being a fan isn't great, especially if your team loses, and you just don't want to get rid of it. I get it. Another mistake that people make is they have no idea what the numbers are. So if you buy a stock at 10, what's that mean? What's the market cap of it? Do you want to sell it at 13? That's a 30% return. Do you want to sell it at 20? Do you want to sell half of it at 20 and then let the rest ride? I've seen people do that strategy. It's not very complicated. Another mistake people make is they won't adjust their plans. And let's say you bought a stock that doubles or triples, and it becomes too much of your portfolio, and you never wanted it to be too much. But you're like, it's 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 a good thing. It's not a good thing. You, you want moderation, moderation, you want diversity for diversity's sake on some level. I'm not going to tell you everything you, you want to do, but if you bought a small company and it becomes a large company, is it still the same company? They're able to go from 10 million revenues, 20 million revenues, 20 to 100. It's tougher to go 100 to 200, 200 to 400, big numbers start catching up with you. So sometimes you have to adjust your plans and say, okay, I, I wanted 20% exposure to small caps, 20% to mid caps, 20% to large cap, 20% to international, and 20% to income. Sometimes you have to adjust those numbers when things get out of whack. Um, another mistake people make when selling stocks is our whole stock selling process is you lose confidence in your convictions. Um, a bad market does not mean you made a bad investment. A good investment sometimes can happen in a good market. And you're like, woohoo, it's going great. But in a bad market, you're like, hmm, I think I might have made a mistake. And maybe you didn't. Maybe you just have to wait for interest rates to stabilize or trade wars to normalize. Or maybe you just got to get through the process. Maybe there's a general negative mood. And sometimes you have to let that play out. Biggest mistake I see people buying and selling stocks Is trying to time the market. I've never met a market timer worth a million dollars ever. And you'll hear commercials on radio and television that say things along the lines of. um, Is now the time to buy gold? Things are drastic out there. The market could go lower, much lower. We have one study from a man at a bar in New Jersey who said the market could go 99% lower. It's never gone down 99%. And it's gone through the World War I and World War II and nuclear strikes. And it's gone through uh, Nagasaki and Hiroshima and recessions and depressions, high oil, low oil. It's gone through crazy stuff. Khrushchev saying he's going to bury us. He pulls out a shoe and slams it down on a, on a Like it's ex- the Cuban Missile Crisis. We got through it. So try, don't try to time the market. And the people that are trying to sell you timing the market, look at what their bias is. They have something they want to put in front of you because you got something they want. Cash. Try to cut out the mistakes on selling. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You can find me online at robblackshow.com.